and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Nikki Kelly, I am so excited to have you as my guest for She's the Boss Chats because I absolutely love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. You didn't have to twist my arm or anything to be here, so I'm just so happy to actually talk to you on here. It's really cool. <laughs> right. Well, let's start off by telling everybody what it is that you do. So what is your business? Oh, who knows? Um, <laughs> my business is it's a, a years of experience out there in the industry creating solutions for other people from, you know, interior products, interiors, consulting, all that sort of stuff. And then it just sort of evolved. And this product is uh, a SaaS platform that I've built. And it's been built for anyone who wants to start a business online or just basically share their knowledge online through courses, you know, just libraries of content through memberships and stuff like that um, and engage with their community all in one location. And we've called it Wisdom. (laughs) <laughs> yep. And it's launching Why soon. Wisdom? So, yeah. Tell me about Wisdom. Why did you choose that name? I love a play on words. I come from the architectural industry and so forth, and dome is <laughs> right. the strongest form of, um, okay. you know, structure. architect structure. Yep, that's the yep. word. And whiz in, is actually in Latin, wisdom. So Wisdom, and it, because it was the strongest form of, you know, structure and housing, um, well, this is a platform that houses all your content and your members. Oh, I love it. Clever. (laughs) Very clever. Okay. And so um, why did you set up Wisdom? I know there was a bit of a light bulb moment, which you can either incorporate into this or I'll ask you, but first I want to know why. Why? Why did you see a gap? It was through my own experience of setting up my own membership for my interiors business. So, you know, I went through right. its own evolution, everything was going online and it was that sort of moment of need to get set, need to get that, you know, repetitive income coming in, uh, <laughs> recurring yeah, income. W- so memberships was the way to go. Too many. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, just um, went out there and I'm one of those people where I don't like to conform with what is given to me necessarily if I find that there's something out there and it does everything I need great fantastic but if it doesn't have everything I need I switch off and start creating my own thing and I did that <laughs> with my own membership and the type of membership I had was an interiors membership so interiors means you go out to stores and you've got to be out on the road and so forth oh, so, so interior design is yeah is correct yeah that kind so of thing. Yep. it's it was based on people going out and they wanted to have access to my information so the app was the only answer and right. so I started creating my own little app and mentioned it to a few people and, yeah, it sort of evolved from there, from discovering, from conversations I was having other people, their pains. Yep. <laughs> I love that. And then was there something that happened that made you just go, for heaven's sake, this yeah. is it, I am fed up now, I'm going to create it. Was there sort of, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back? Was there that light bulb moment for you? Yeah, there was those few moments building up to it where I thought there's got to be something easier than this. But, <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to talk to other people to see what other people are going through as well. So I did yeah. that. And um, not in for that purpose of trying to find the solution, but just in conversation with people in general when they're trying to build up their thing. And I get into sort of like this big sister protective mode sometimes <laughs> where, you know, someone's like, I can't do this for some reason. So I try to help them. And I know I went through that when I was building up my membership you know, on a website, plug in this and plug in that. And there's like all these multiple plugins and you're like, Jesus Christ, I'm spending like hundreds of dollars a month now. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is ridiculous. And the tech, like getting someone else to help me prepare this stuff. And I'm thinking, Jesus, that's me doing that. And other women that I was talking, that I was talking to, they were complaining that they just didn't have or couldn't find a solution for themselves. And I just thought, yeah, there's got to be an easier way. Um, so, yeah, I, I went through the process of researching and everything what was out there. Well, I was going to say, was with an interior design background um, rather than a technology background, it's mm. really interesting to me <laughs> that you decided to go and create a tech platform. Yeah, it's sort of a 
you know, I guess with interiors or whatever it is, it's it's funny. I've always almost gone down the industrial design side of things. It's always <laughs> creating something to fix right, a problem. Right, right. Um, and tech just happened to be the case, which I wasn't confident in. Um, but, but because it didn't I put did, you off, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I built my own app for the, for the, you know, interiors membership and yeah. that was going great. So I thought if I'd been able to do that, maybe I can do this and – it was one thing for me as, you know, I've, I'm a buyer by nature, so I've had to communicate yep. with people on different different languages and so forth. And one thing that caught me off guard through that process and I was confident in though was how do I translate what I need to a technician, to a developer? And so I went right. through that process of learning of what do I need to have to be able to communicate that across to them. So they would build what I needed. Oh wow! And that was a learning experience because I don't have. Well, tech I was going to say that's that's almost a thing in itself. That'll be the next business that you can start is how to write briefing for you know technology projects yeah. because it is hard. It's really hard. It is when you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's possible and what's you don't not. Know what questions to ask? You don't know. Yeah. It's just so hard. So there was a. It's been a couple of years of ups and downs, certainly. <laughs> I'm sure a yeah. massive learning curve. I know when I built my PR SaaS platform, yeah. I didn't even know it was possible at first. And then mm. it was it was really hard to know when to push to say, no, no, I know this is this is possible. Find a solution. Yeah. And when to back off and go, okay, you do know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, maybe it isn't possible, but why isn't it possible? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's been so hard because, and that was, you know, I think we all learn too, like when you start a business and so forth, it's good to have a mentor or yep. coach or someone to even talk to. And I brought on a mentor at the early stages just so I can understand the business well format done. because it's one thing, you know, interiors, I know that like the back of my hand, I know how to import, export, all that sort of stuff. I know all of that. But this is very different and I wanted to make sure I did it right and that whole mentor process really helped me sort of even though I might not have known the exact questions to ask, especially the developers and the processes and so forth, I knew what my goals were and I could relate what those goals were to the developers yes, and so technicians. Yes, so this is what the end, like you can say, this is what the end result needs to be. I don't yeah. know how to get there, but that's mm. the end. Yeah, amazing. That was hard. <laughs> All right, so um, I think now before we go any further, let's go back. I'm dying to hear about this career in interiors, but I want to get you to go back even further okay. to growing up as a little girl. What sort of, where did you grow up? What sort of size family do you have and what did your parents do? Oh, we're just, you know, typical two parents, two kids, um, family okay. of four. <laughs> yep. And we had- Brother or sister? Little sister, six and a half okay. years younger than me. It's actually her birthday today. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but, she, yeah, the family grouping was interesting because- there's my dad's side and there's my mum's side and my dad's side is the side where, you know, we all get together and it was like we sit down and it's very intellectual conversations and, you know, fun, but, you yep. know, I just yep, grew yep, up yep, with, yep, yep. I was one of We're the younger ones. And, yep, no. All of them are, you know, <laughs> scholarships, all this sort of stuff. And then my mum's side of the family, we're all socialites and just bubbly and just loud, loud right. as anything when we all get together. Um all completely so fun that, together. So does that mean mum and dad split when you were younger? No, 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 no. We're all together, all still together. Oh, so that side of the family you're just talking about their own families, brothers They're, and sisters. The and style of how we, you know, the, the, the socialising between the two sides was really, yeah, right. really cool just to see like what the quiet ones and then the loud ones all mingling together, which was great. Um, and growing up like that was interesting yeah. for me because I could see all of my older cousins, they're all – high, high achievers and a grandfather that was very much, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? He never asked right. me until I was a little bit older, obviously, but I heard him ask them questions. Yes, that role modelling. Exactly, yep. yeah. And, you know, I had a great-grandfather. His father was, you know, he ran a massive um, mechanic company overseas, you know, he was right. an inventor, all that sort of stuff, engineers, family, blah, blah. And, you know, my mum's side of the family, exactly the same. They're all very intelligent on the social side of things and bringing them together and seeing the different ways of just being who I wanted to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, you yeah. have a family who's like, oh, I'm going to be an architect or a doctor or, you know, an accountant, whatever. And then the other side is like, I'm going to be a designer. I'm going to be, 
you know, in landscaping, I'm going to do whatever. And yeah, it's having that mix all together. When the day came where my grandfather actually asked me, what am I going to be? And all the cousins were around. I never forget this moment. And he just said, <laughs> he asked, he goes, what are you going to be when you get older? And I said, I don't know, probably something in design, creative work. And he goes, good, do what you love. You do what you want to do. And my, and I never forget Aww. my old cousins were in the background and they're like, the hell, like why you never said that to us <laughs> you got away with it <laughs> that is so funny yeah so it, grew up yeah. in melbourne and what what did your mum and dad do for work dad was in corporate so he was in telecom at the time okay um but he the precursor to telstra yeah exactly any youngies that might be listening yeah <laughs> yeah that's true um but he he studied to be a pilot um, draftsman. Right. He was, you know, he's talented in a number of ways. And my mum is just the the social counsellor of the family. Um, right. All the cousins and everything like that. The big bear that you just hug. And oh. yeah, she worked in the police um, f- as a public servant. Oh, right. For many, many years as well. So yeah, I, you know, they had interesting, long interesting history, you know, in their business, in their, where they worked, you know, their careers and those. Okay, those and you grew up in Melbourne? I did, yes. Yeah. And so uh, tell me about school. Did you like school? Were you good at school? I was an average rating, grading <laughs> student at school. Uh, but, but you're whip smart. I mean, that's really obvious. So were you bored by <sighs> school or was it just the structure that you didn't like or oh, I were you school. led astray? I, I loved school. I was friends with everyone. I wasn't one of those girls who were in just a clique group. Um, I was friends with everyone at yep. school. I went to a girls' school in high school, went to two girls' school high schools. So I went to one from year 79 and then we moved um, oh, to right. Altham and then I went to another girls' school from 10 to 12. So those years um, moving from one area, which was in Northgate, and then moving to Altham. Oh, yeah. For, Very so different. So for anyone listening, that's from the really the inner city out yep. to countryside. I mean, Eltham is beautiful, yeah. you know, lots of hippies out there, <laughs> sort of a bit of an alternative kind of a vibe, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. So it was, it was a different way of socialising yet again. Uh, with people. <laughs> I love it that socialising comes up so much in your conversation. It does, it does. I think we're a big family of socialising. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. You know, we want to make sure, like I think we're just a family of, we've, we've, there are so many different nationalities in our family and, you know, my dad is born in Sri Lanka uh, but he's got like Dutch, German, whatever background yes, and everything. Yep, and yep. then my mum's born in Egypt, mainly Italian background, but okay. we've all been brought up on different Foods, cultures, everything. So it's, you know, going from one school to this school and all the rest of it, it was just a big change for me. I think I learned a lot about myself um, because one school was just based on having fun and it was obviously the younger years growing up and then the other school was more going into the adolescent stage of, yep. you know, puberty and all that sort of stuff. And it became more a visual thing. And, you know, it was really hard for me to get through that, but I did. <laughs> Right. But schooling-wise, okay. you know, academically, I was just an average schooler. I loved my arts. I loved maths. Um, were, were you a real sort of, I mean, we, did you have to work hard to get your average marks or do you think if you tried harder? Like, I mean, for me, for instance. If I tried instance, harder, I would have gotten better, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I knew yeah. I, I just wasn't that interested. I was never always <laughs> striving for the A's. I mean, I, I was very happy to get them, <laughs> but it, it wasn't like I wasn't. I, I had there were friends at school, and there were plenty of women I've interviewed who said, "No, no, yeah. getting high marks was absolutely my focus. Mine was on right. making friends and hanging around with them. Really, same. <laughs> is, is that a bit more like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah I started it might a new be. school. I had to make new friends. My <laughs> priority was I need. Friends. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's tough. It's tough actually when you move, you know, um, in senior in your senior years. Mm. Although at least you did it in year ten. I did it in year twelve, which was oh, really wow. hard. Um, so okay, so you finished school. Was uni next on the agenda? Was that kind of one of those things that you wanted to do? Yeah, or it was everyone interesting. expected it of you because your grandfather oh, yeah. sounds like he might have expected it. <laughs> <laughs> it was expected by the whole family, uh, yep. but I didn't know exactly. I knew it was in design that I wanted to go right. where I wanted to go, so I went and did um, uh, 
it was interesting because I applied for architecture. I actually got the interview, uh, but oh, didn't wow. want to continue with. But I didn't want to continue with. <laughs> I was like, nah, too Why? conformed. Why? It just too felt conforming. too conformed. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be able to express myself to a degree. Um, so I went for interesting enough a TAFE course, which was applied design. Um, right. But my mum wasn't happy with that because she said that's just too general. And if my mum's listening, she'll probably say, oh, but it's true. <laughs> she said it was no, too general. It, well, uh, yeah. So I ended up going for, um, what did I do? I think I did <laughs> draft. Uh, it was interiors. It was interiors, but it was like interiors and drafting mixed in. I can't even remember right. the name of the course, but, yeah, it was sort of along that line. So I did that for a year and then I actually deferred and worked for a couple of years in a surf store. Right. And, and yeah. Okay, so deferred for a couple of years, worked in a surf store, which would have been loads of fun, I'm sure. Oh, it was, yeah. But with the intention of going back. Yes. So why why a couple of years? I think I needed a bit of a break. Um just mentally I'm not too sure to be honest. I think I was doing s- I was doing the course, I was enjoying it, but I wasn't sure about what I was doing. So it was just this, I don't know, I really can't remember everything (laughs) at the moment of decision, (laughs) but I know it was, yeah, it was like that. I just need a bit of a break. And it was an age thing too, because I'm a March baby. So when I actually left school, when I finished year 12, I was still 17. So yeah, it was... um, Still yeah, young. give me some time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Although so, we feel so grown up when we finish school, but I actually when you're 17. <laughs> so um, so after a couple of years you decided to go back to uni. Was that what happened? Yeah, I actually went back to school and right. went into merchandising and marketing. And that oh, course. merchandising and marketing. Yeah. Is that a degree? Is that a diploma? What is that? It was an associate diploma. Okay. And then I did that extra year to become a diploma and that was more in the business marketing side of it. So I did all that. And it was just an experience for me because it opened up my eyes to just developing product in general. Um, right. I went to the textiles RMIT and that yep. because I love textiles, that's my back, that's just I've – Loved that my whole life. I think it's embedded in me somewhere along the way. Really? Um, so, so hang on, we have to we have to look at that a little bit more. Why <laughs> textiles? Did was there someone in the family that worked with textiles? What? How did yeah. you get that exposure? Well, it's interesting. I didn't know it at this stage. I found out later down the track. Um, okay. But when I was around fifteen, I. My sister and I are the same, but my mum calls us like gypsies because we constantly were changing our bedroom almost every six months, just changing it around, colours, everything. And in doing that, you know, we're not working a lot, so we don't have a lot of money. And mum's like, well, if you want to change it, you have to do it out of your own pocket. So I started sewing my own bed linen because, one, I couldn't find what I wanted out there. Um, And I really, really enjoyed it. And then later down the track, as the years evolved, obviously finishing this merchandising and marketing course, I became a buyer and I just love textiles. So so how did – hang on. Okay, so you finished the course. Yeah. and uh, you said you got got into textiles. What do you mean? What was the first job? Who did you work for? I actually worked in an architectural firm, in two architectural firms. Okay, doing their soft furnishings kind of. um, Well, doing – yeah, helping in the office first. You know, you just got to get your foot in there somewhere along the way. So helping in the office and my husband – he wasn't my husband then, but he was working in there. We'd met beforehand. And he said, come and work here if you want. He needs help. So I did. And I saw materials, selections and all that sort of stuff. So I would help in that, you know, ringing up suppliers, doing all that sort of stuff. And I noticed, you know, I I have an eye for colour. Yeah. And I had an eye for materials, just hard materials, soft materials, whatever it is. I just knew what things were. So I knew that was a little genius zone of mine. <laughs> and Okay. Yeah, that sort of evolved. And I knew after it was probably about three or so years I was working in that area if not a little bit more, I think. And I said, no, no, I've just, I've got to get into buying. I want to do buying. So I actually went down the track. And is that and, because of the travel or was it just being the person no, who chooses? I just got to be someone who created products. Right. Um, and I didn't know what those products would be. So. Oh, hang on a minute. So with buying, I was thinking it was particularly around textiles, but are you saying that you were going out and buying, I don't know, the vases or the, the 
yeah, sofas it was, or whatever, all of that. Oh, yeah, I can see the attraction yeah. there. Well, I, I hassled this buying company because there was a job out there and I kept ringing them every week or a couple of days and they said, all right, fine, you've got the job. <laughs> so I got it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was just overall as an, a buyer's assistant and that was – there was a lot involved. Like there's all that, you know, the paperwork side of things and numbers and everything like that. But I was more excited at the fact of actually seeing how a buyer would go to a trade fair and select things and then make it their own and right. customise it or you customise things from scratch. And I loved that and that's what I learned. And obviously I was doing that from right. the age of 15. I was creating what I wanted in my own room. So yep. it sort of eventuated from that. Um, and then doing that for a few years ended up um, evolving into me wanting to start my own brand, so textiles. And okay. it was a, it was at that point my eldest auntie actually said to me that my great grandmother, um, who we call in Italian bisnonna, um, she yeah. actually ran her own linen company over in Egypt. Oh right. And I didn't know all of this. And she said, that's where you get your textiles, your love for textiles from probably. And I was like, How oh. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. that's. So that's, you decide to go out on your own. How old were you roughly then? 27. Uh, no, I was 30. 29. Okay. 29, 30 years old, yeah. 29, 30. Um, and you decide that you're going to go out on your own, which is kind of nerve-wracking and exciting all at the same time. Yeah. How did you? How did that go and how did you pick up the first clients? Because I always think that's the clincher. You know, we could all set the business, <laughs> but now to turn it into money. Well, it was, um, I think that evolved through <laughs> obviously having my experience where I did um, and it was a major import company. So I right. saw how they did trade fairs and everything like that. So I just – applied that with my business and had a trade fair. First, I did some home parties. <laughs> right. So I organised some parties at people's houses and people bought stock. And um, I made sure that what I was bringing in was a classic range um, where people right. could add to um, because I, was I didn't know say, how what's, fast. Yeah, what, what's your point of difference? How exactly. do you differentiate yourself in a fabric market? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, that was the hard thing and I'm – you know, I started bringing in linen and cashmere and, you know, high-gauge wow. cotton, things like that. So those products was our point of difference. Um, where because I, they're very luxury, high-end. Exactly. That sort of, and because yeah, I kept yeah. them quite classic in style and design, I was able to produce a lot yep. and sell them at a lower price, right. which therefore gave – a certain market or particular markets access to that particular type of product. Right. Um, and yep. that's where I think we sort of grew really well from there because we did the home parties and then it went straight into, I remember we started doing trade fairs and there's my husband and I in the car with a U-Haul in the back and everything. Was <laughs> I love rebuilt. it that he did it with you as well. Oh, yeah, he did. He's always been, you know, the biggest supporter. So he even built the, the shelving and everything for the trade fair. We did everything oh, wow. ourselves and built it all and set it every, and all so up. First and so first trade fair, obviously mm. yeah, the heart must have been in your throat at first kind of it going. Was. Everything is, is is riding on this. We still How have, was it? We still have the first um, order in a frame. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, okay, so yeah. that grew. Uh, how big did it grow and, and how long did you have that for? That, uh, look, it's still, we actually just took it offline this year. So oh, wow. Okay. We've had it. Yeah, we've had it online. That has always been sort of our bread and butter coming through for the business. But in 2014, um, I was headhunted on LinkedIn and became, uh, was asked to be a consultant in interiors and just through conversations and so forth it just happened to be. And I was actually okay. lucky enough to be a consultant, travel around and just start working on other people's interiors. And these interiors were just amazing. Um, wow. And I had to sign NDAs for them and all that sort of stuff. So it was just it, so another is, eye-opening experience. And is this in Australia? So were around the world. Sort of, oh, wow. So you got to yeah. travel a whole lot. But And in the meantime, you're still running your business in the background and the, and the employer didn't mind about that. That was something you worked out with them beforehand. Oh, I had left, I had left my employer 
as soon as I started my own business, I actually left. Right. Yeah. No, but so, didn't you say you got a job as a consultant? Oh, yeah, my consultant. Sorry, my apologies. The consultancy job was with them as well as running my business. It went hand in hand. Okay, okay. So then you yeah. so you're traveling all around the world and helping people with their interiors. So what came yeah. next? What came next was I fell pregnant in 2018, early 2018. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, considered a mature mum and had to stay home. I wasn't allowed to fly. I think actually the term is not mature, it's geriatric. Geriatric, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know because my dad was an obstetrician and I went, geriatric. I and he went, yeah, if, you're, if you're over 34, you're geriatric. And I, I was like, I remember saying oh, that to my OB. I go, stop God. calling me geriatric. as okay, mature mum. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, All right. So. so, yeah, I couldn't fly. So I had to stop that. And it was a it was a big part of my life that time. And I right. thoroughly enjoyed it and I got a lot out of it. Um, amazing experiences and things that I'll never forget for that. But that moment when I found I was pregnant was like, and I knew I had to stay home. It was so exciting. I just did everything I had to, um, obviously for the, for the pregnancy. So my mind kicked into, well, I can't travel anymore. I've got the bread and butter there. And this whole membership thing started, just started popping up on my radar. So yeah, it just evolved into creating this membership. Yep. Uh, for interiors, which for the the linen, for the interiors. Yep, yep, yeah, cool. it was called the Home Creators. So it was just based on tips and tricks on how you can change your space affordably um, right. and just understanding the concept of colours and lighting and just a little, just the basics of home interiors. Um, so sharing all of that, everything that I've done before and also sharing my experience in actually creating products at home myself <laughs> right. all through that, right. so my own little solution. So that was... Um, Taking off, I was, you know, doing some Facebook lives and was really scared doing that. Um, that was another <laughs> learning point for me. Um, but, yeah, it just evolved from there where I, you know, I had some comeback from um, some a couple of members that had joined and said, look, do you have anything because on Facebook, you know, you don't have all your information, it's just on your website. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, I've got to make an app. So in bed. There I am oh, trying God, to find I love out it ways. That you do that. Most people go, right, I'll just do, I don't know what I'll do. I'll do an Excel spreadsheet or a PDF <laughs> of a Word document. Yeah. But, no, you decide you're going to do an app. Yeah, I just thought, <laughs> stuff this. I've got, I think it's just growing up, I think my whole career is based on creating solutions for other people. Yeah, yeah, love so it. So I think it was just that moment of, okay, I've got to help them. I've got to make their life easier. I think it's just always been that, just make their life easier. So, um. An app just seemed like I knew what I would want if I was in that situation. Yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah, 100%. Mm. But it's just a a big thing to develop. Yeah, well, see, I sit there and think, oh, it's got to be easy. There's got to be an easy way because I'm a lazy entrepreneur. So it's got to be an easy way. I don't think you're lazy. (laughs) But I think there's also something about being an entrepreneur. And, I mean, I'm doing it at the moment with a conference and everyone's going, it's going to be really hard. And I'm like, Mm. it's not. It's going to be easy. Some of it is just that ignorance is bliss, isn't it, really? And it's kind of like, you know, people who are naive about things will go ahead and do them because Mm. you don't actually know how difficult it could get because you just believe it's all going to be easy. Exactly, exactly. And that's how I, I so was like that, um, setting everything up, just 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 finding things and I ended up setting it up. It was actually, I did it over a weekend because I used a particular platform. and right. I just, Oh, you created it yourself? Over a weekend, yeah. It was just a particular wow. platform I found and I thought, all right, I can do this. I can try and understand this sort of stuff. And I'd go onto these techie platforms, the forums, and read this stuff thinking, <laughs> what the hell am I reading? But I sort of got it in the end. And built it and discovered there were more things I needed. So I started thinking, okay, I've got to find someone else who can design or code this plugin and just plug it into this for me. And I was just trying to create a final solution for me. And I got there to a degree, didn't have everything I still wanted in there. Um, like that whole events, you know, thing and all that yep. sort of stuff in there. So, but this is like the baby version of dipping your was, toe in for what it was wisdom like the MVP. would become. <laughs> it was yeah. like the MVP in the end. Um, so yeah, I, I was doing that, and that, that's when the conversation was had with those, those peers. 
And so how yeah. have you funded the building of wisdom? Just because, uh, yeah, most women will want to know that, I would think. Yeah. Uh, because we most of us do bootstrap. Yeah, exactly. And we, and we bootstrapped <laughs> it. And, you know, I spoke to my parents about it, um, the plan that I had in my head, and they just said, look, we'll help you. So oh, great. thankfully they helped me, which was, you know, a huge godsend. Um, and then, you know, we had some savings there for our holidays and stuff like that. Um, and we'd been actually that year we fell pregnant. We'd actually booked to go to Italy. Um, right. And we weren't allowed to go because <laughs> I had to stay in bed. So uh, those savings for that trip ended up going into <laughs> the building app. the app. Right. Um, so, yeah. Was, and so um, for those of you who are listening, we're now in November at the end of 2022. Mm-hmm. Have you launched yet or are you about to launch, Nikki? About to launch. So we've had beta testing phase, which went ran through August, and that was right. sort of an internal beta, beta testing with a small group of businesses. And they yep. used our app and we got a lot of feedback from that, positive feedback, so I was really excited about that. Yeah, great. Um, and since then we've been... It's, it's sort of a transition phase now. So once we sort of release from the development phase and we actually move into a live phase, which is when you're going to launch, that moment there is where all the little little tying ends up and everything like that takes place and we are in the cusp of that at the moment. So right. we're almost at that end point where we can say we're ticking everything off now, we can launch. So we just so want to make sure everything's right. You. Yeah. But probably by the end of this year? Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. You should be so proud of yourself, Nikki. I just love your gumption, I guess, to get up and do it. All right. <laughs> now I've got some more questions for you. Yeah. Um, are there, because this is about, this is She's the Boss, it's all about <laughs> making women more visible and I know you're a member so you know all about that. Yeah. Uh, have there been any women other than it sounds like you have an amazing family with some women in there that have really helped you. But mm. have there been any women in your uh, career that you want to do a shout out for that have been, you know, instrumental in helping you or teaching you something? The first person, like Jen Kirk, who is my mentor, uh, okay. she has been instrumental in keeping my mindset on track, if that makes sense. Um keeping me on track in the priorities, keeping, you know, keeping that direction. And, you know, we all sometimes, you know, we know what the answers are, but we need someone else to sort of help (laughs) us. To tell us. Yeah. (laughs) She's been instrumental in that area. It's kind of validating it, isn't it? It is, yeah. She she helps us. And the thing is she's never given me the answers. She's just asked me the questions to get me to the answers myself. And that's what I love about her. So that's, that's the number one person. But Next to that, and it's going to sound cocky, it's going to sound funny because I'm saying it to you, but, yeah, it's your crib. She's the boss. Because, really? Yes, really, because, I've, I, you know, I'm in other, you know, network groups and so forth, women in business and so forth, and they've been fantastic. Um, and there's in that group I met, you know, three amazing women and the name's Karen, Erica, and Wendy. And those yep. girls have been a part of my little sort of what we call a goals group girl girls. Right. Let's say like a little accountability group that you've got exactly going with them. Exactly, they are. And I love hearing that people are doing that because yeah. it's, it does make a big difference to have other people <sighs> who are kind of doing the journey True. with you. Yeah. And it's been inspiring hearing their journeys in their businesses and – you know, I've had my ups and downs through this whole development phase, learning, you know, the, the crap stuff that goes on <laughs> and all the fantastic stuff that goes on. Um, and good things don't come ha- don't happen easily, <laughs> that's for sure. So they've been there supporting me on that side of things as well, just keeping me going and keeping me, you know, there. So that's been fantastic. But with She's the Boss, it's just a different energy, I think, as well um, with the group. It's just very make things happen. Yeah, um, yeah and, and I agree. And that's been something that I've, it's been a huge learning curve for me because, yes, I'm one of those oh, people good. who I'd like to sit behind and just do my thing and not have to do too much. 
But I've been learning big lessons lately with Jules, you, that, yeah, you've yep. got to just speak up and talk up. And, you know, you're you've the You've got one. to make yourself more visible and you've got to, <gasps> yeah. you've got to, if you want to have the power to make change, which you obviously need and mm. want, mm. then you've got to push yourself forward because yeah. you've got to have some influence. Well, you bloody did but that I, for I, me in July. <laughs> we, you nominated me, I think, for the, yeah, you nominated me for the Beam Awards and I was like. That's oh, right. <laughs> The very first thing. I didn't even know anything about awards, honestly. I've right. been I've been in business for how many years? And I didn't think of awards or anything like that. And then yeah. And that now mm. now you know. Now it's I worth know. it doing. I'm gonna do some more next year. I'm gonna do some as well. Yeah. All right. Um along the way, you've just alluded to some of them. Have there been some I call them pivotal moments, but those moments where you take a new direction because something's happened. Um, mm. And it could be just that, you know, that you, anything from running out of money to a developer changing to, um, you know, a sale falling through, whatever it might be. And they're mm. always a learning from that. Have yeah. you had moments like that over the last, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> you have, but any that you can think of that you'd be up for sharing oh, yeah. um, over the last few years? Look, I'm, I am the most, I, I believe in transparency. So yes, I will yep. share because Thank this you. is the real world. Um, yep. I, it was, oh God, now I've got to remember the years. It was, yeah, 20. There was a time. Yeah, it was 20 <laughs> into 21. So over that December, right. January. And I was with a developer who was developing our platform for us. And he goes, yeah, I can do it really quick. And he did. He did it really quick. Um, however, there was a lot of things that were missing and I learnt at that point, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier where I went and actually tried to learn how to, for example, um, like when communicating with a developer and transferring my yeah. idea onto paper in the way they would understand it, you use wireframes, you use, yes. you know, points of, you know, features, functionalities, all that sort of stuff. So I did all of that. Um, however, the person I'd spoken to, he was a great developer, but he was more on the basic side with basic coding and therefore used a lot of templates. And right. I didn't express enough, I think, at that point of the main goals of making sure it was secure, it was our own code, all this sort of stuff. Um, so that was a learning point and we cut that yep. project quickly. And from there I actually went into major design, um, a major design phase. And right. that was where I learnt more about, you know, UX and UI, which is the user experience, so the flow of yes. people using your product. And the UI is just the look and the feel, you know, where what the button looks like. Is it big is enough? Is that the you know, user that interface, stuff. I think, is, is, is that what UI stands for? correct. Yep. yep, yep. And that was a God, big learning amazing curve. that you learned all about all of that. Well, you know, I'm always thinking about what my clients, what my customers going to want and what they're going to need and how they're going to use it. Like in interiors, we always have to think about that. We have to think about how the person's going to use the space or the products in that space. Yeah, right. And it was the same thing when it came to tech, but it's just a different language. You know, one thing is tactile Very fabric. Very different language. Very different language. <laughs> Very I different. mean, I just just for, for a woman who's creative, which you are, mm. to be able to even get the concepts of coding, which is really where everything turns into zeros and ones. And oh, I don't, don't um, understand that. Don't worry about. I'm that. not saying that you do, but you're <laughs> you. I'm, I'm just amazed at what you go and teach yourself as part of this journey. I'm really impressed by that. Oh, thank you. I, I think, I think a lot of people, me included, just ask experts and if they screw us over, I have no recourse for it, whereas you've kind of empowered yourself, which yeah. is just so brilliant. But we all we all know what our genius zones are and we all know what we can and can't do and and that's why we delegate off, you know, certain areas yeah, yeah, to, to achieve that end goal. So that's – I just have always had to – recognize that that I can't literally sit there and sew the product anymore <laughs> like right. I have to give it to a supplier and trust and that's a big thing that I've had to learn along the way um right is trust and also like my gut instinct um and that's you know why we cut off with that design with that developer earlier yep. on you because my gut knew. was telling me this isn't going in the right direction and yep. You know, we've had our ups and downs through that process because after we went through that design process, we had to find a new developer and, you know, we've had ups and downs with that developer. And, but 
it's funny, I had to calm myself down a lot of times to read about the stories of other people out there who are founders of SaaS platforms. Um, right. And realize that we all go through it. <laughs> it's not just me, it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yes. Mm. And, and some people do it much tougher than, um, mm. than, than you've done it because they don't know. And, and you know, I had a, I had a, I led myself into a terrible situation with mm. my building my SaaS platform where I got, I kind of parted ways with the guy developing it, but he yeah. controlled all of the, the back end people who were actually designing it and doing the work, yeah. and he didn't, he didn't hand them over when he left. So, you know, big learning curve from that is you definitely need to project manage it and, and have your hands on it all. So yeah. you've done it all the right way, but. Mm. Um, very impressive, though. I love all of this, Nikki. So <laughs> when you are doing something that you're so passionate about and it's something that's really important and going to change other people's lives, um, how do you slow down? Now, you've said you've got a young child, you've got a husband. How do you juggle work and play uh, so that you don't burn out? <laughs> Which so many people do. I love the giggle. I think I do burn out. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh no. I, I'm, I'm. I mean, are you keeping really an eye on it? I'm keeping, an, keeping eye an eye on it. I am really bad with juggling um, that balance. Keeping that balance. Like I have high blood pressure problems. <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Right. But I've got a, I've got a 12 year old amazing daughter uh, who's starting high school next year. I've got a four year old. Little boy who is a raging lunatic at times. Yep, four-year-old um, boys. <laughs> and, you know, my daughter, Alessia, and then there's my son, Marcus, and between the both of them, they're a balance um, and watching yeah, them. And true. I think I keep my calm um, through – I've kept my calm through this whole process, I think, because I've taken away I've, – I've had to take away the pressure of timing um, right, because timing idea. for me is a huge thing. I want to make because, like I said, you know, you're making a solution for someone, you don't want to let them down. So, you know, when we've taken on and we've actually had pre-sales and everything, which is amazing, it's fantastic, and keeping communication with those people so they're always aware of the status of you know where we're at at the moment, all that sort of stuff, um, is important. Which, like I was saying, yep. I'm very transparent because. I don't want them sitting there thinking, what's happening? Da, da, da. And it's just, it's not fair for them. It's not fair for me. I wouldn't like that either. Um, right. But taking away that time um, pressure has been only, uh, has, has really been helped. a way that has kept me sane <laughs> through right. this. Um, but my kids. But are you, so you're working through weekends, you're working evenings, you're doing, are you doing that kind of thing or are you saying, no, I've recently got to keep I said some no. of that sacred? Yeah. Yeah, recently well, I've said well no. Done. So yeah, <laughs> no, no weekends. Did it I, all come? Did it all come to a phone. head? Pardon? Did it all come to a head with something where you just thought I have got to carve weekends off? Yeah, it I did. know. With my boys, it's kind of I just don't have time to see them if I don't go. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it, it's true. It's you know the kids' swimming lessons, those sort of things. Yeah, you've got to make time for that, and but. Not just for that, it was like, okay, the kids are great. I've got to spend time like reading with them, those little moments. Don't forget those yes, moments. And yeah, I'm not yeah. a morning person. So my son always jumps into the bed with me and we just play in bed, muck around, you know, do you know, shadow puppets, all that sort of Silly stuff. Silly stuff, yep. And they're memories that I'm trying to build with them. And so I've had to sort of sit back and, you know, we've had a very close friend of ours pass away recently and we found out he was terminally ill earlier this year and it was that moment of you know what there, there's priorities in life and there are, there's a pace of life too we have to keep yes I agree and it I was agree. like at that moment it was like yeah no when you lose someone close to you, it definitely gives you that moment of mm. feeling your mortality and yeah. kind of going, if that happened to me, am I going to have regrets? You know, what do I need to change to make sure that, exactly. God forbid, I fall under a bus tomorrow, I get a diagnosis? Exactly. That you don't I'm have not going to go. No, that's right. That's right. But in the same breath, I also think it's really good for the kids to be able to see mum doing something that she really cares about, oh, yeah. <laughs> something that's going to make change happen. So, mm. you know, th there is that balance of, but but you definitely can't work sort of 60, 70 hour weeks. Oh, I, I was at the start. I was sitting yeah. there, you know, through COVID, kids at school, like doing schooling here at home and everything like that. I remember the nights where I'd be sitting with a laptop on my lap on the couch and I had a YouTube channel on, which was 
um, like just Have the elephants. Something or- no, no, it was just <laughs> oh, actually no. live footage of, you know, the savannah and things like that. So I had that playing in the background and I loved it. It was just sort of that calmed me while I was working at 2 a.m., 4 a.m., <laughs> The morning, yeah, right. Um, but you know, but that's my that's that's the time where I really do a lot of work, um, and I've had to change that. So right. just you know, past six months or so, I've started changing that. Going no work during the hours of day, and my weekends are for the family and stuff. I like think that. It, yeah, it may, it's better to separate it. And even though mm. you feel like you're certainly at the beginning when you're used to keeping going, yeah. you feel like oh my god, I'm leaving all this work and it's going to have to be done. How am I going to fit it in? Mm. But ultimately, you do realize that the world doesn't, the sky doesn't fall in if you don't get that work done in the time that you you've this True. time you've set yourself to do. It. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing. It goes back down to timing. It's just you create yeah, your own well time done. in the end. So I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, uh, but I actually have a lot of people think that I don't have time off, but I pretty much don't do any work on weekends Good. or evenings unless I have to. Yeah. I mean, I'll do something if it's time sensitive, back to time again. But I'm I'm pretty good about also going, you know, I always say to people, if someone cancels an afternoon meeting, I don't fill that time with anything else. I go, great, Sophie's calling yeah. me. I'm going to go and lie on it. <laughs> it's waiting for me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Now, here's a great question. Is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a, an even odds quirk about me. Um, oh, what's that? Oh, well, I say even odds, but it's sort of I'm a numbers. I don't know. It's just like a numbers thing with me. So for me, everything yeah. has to be two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four. It's got to be like that. Um, right. So whenever I plan things, it's usually. <laughs> There's no superstition, nothing. So prime no. numbers, you have it's prime numbers that don't have it uh, can't be divided, isn't it? Yes, correct. So you wouldn't yeah. like anything like that. So I don't like prime numbers, no. And I remember my cousin, no. my older cousin, teaching me prime numbers. I'm like I don't like those. <laughs> I actually remember the time her actually creating a poster for me, so I was trying to learn it. Um, no, but that, that's just one quirk about me. I just have a numbers thing, so it's yeah. And how does it manifest itself, though? What do you mean? So if you're making sandwiches, you'd only make them in. Well, sandwiches is a bad one because they come in twos. They yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Think of something else that I don't know. Um, oh, look, it doesn't take over my life, but I am. Um, so, for example, I don't know if I'm doing a number of slides for a presentation. It has You'll to be notice a certain how number. many slides there are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. That's, That's great. A quirk. No. <laughs> it is. It's a great quirk. Now, um, last but not least, just I'm going to ask you because I think you do like apps like I like them. Mm. Um, but I could be wrong. What on your phone, do you do much business on your phone? And if so, oh. have you got any clever app? Yeah, so I, I'm obsessed with mine as well. Have you got any clever apps that you want to share with us that are outside of the bog standard bank and social media mm-hmm. that you've discovered that uh, are good for business or for pleasure? Well, there's two, one for business and for pleasure. And I'm not affiliated with them by any means. Um, <laughs> but one I do use constantly, and it's nifty. Um it's oh, called NIFTY. That, that right. is, it's a project management platform. Um, but to me, it actually has everything I need for communicating with my team, actually links to Zoom. We put files in there. We can create any, like just, it's just got everything. So we wow. use that. I use that daily um, for communications with my team and also just creating tasks and Gantt charts, all that sort of stuff um, for the business. So a lot of our stuff is in there and it's fantastic. Ah, it looks really good. I'm just having a little mm. snoop while you're talking about yeah. it. And okay. the other one for personal is there's a couple, but one that I have found is actually pretty good. It's called Fabulous. And I only Great just name. discovered that recently. <laughs> and I love the name. Um, <laughs> and you wouldn't even know. Like it's it's actually all about creating habits. And okay. I am, like I said, I'm not a morning person, so um, <laughs> I I tend to sort of, like I said, I don't follow um, 
protocols <laughs> to a degree. You know, yeah. like I'm not one who who has habits to a degree. Who loves a rule? Yeah, I don't <laughs> love a, a rule. Like I'm just like I just do things with the flow. Like I've always been like that. Um, but it's not very good for my timing as a time management as a mum. Anyway, for business, I'm very stringent, but. For family and my own life, I'm not. I'm just sort of let's kids, let's just oh, let's go to the park, or just you know, just very out of out of out of the way. And fabulous has actually enabled me to create just simple habits that, you know, the first one I think that they set up was just make sure you have a glass of water the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, and you just oh, tick, yeah. did that. It's like yay, you've created your first oh, habit. Okay, right. Do it three days in a row at least, and then just keep going. And I've been doing that, and it's amazing. Drinking big glass of water in the morning is great yeah. for your skin and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then it just sort of evolves from there. So with extra habits, and you can just add in there, but it also helps you create a diary. So you diarize your day in a way, like in um, sorry, you summarize your day with a quick little input in there. Um, and I started doing that. Okay, and it's actually nice because it sort of offloads, but it prompts you to do certain things and you can request at certain times of the day to prompt me to go and eat at one o'clock, which right. I tend to sort of ignore sometimes. But, you know, <laughs> it's a good app for that. I've, I found that was really good. Yeah, amazing. Well, I love the sound of that. Nikki, I love what you're doing. I love your work. In fact, I just love everything about you because you're such an awesome woman. And I'm (laughs) particularly thrilled with Wisdom and I'm absolutely sure it's going to take off, particularly with you driving it behind it. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) So big question is how do people get hold of you? How do they find out more about Wisdom and or sign up for it? Tell us all. We have a website for Wisdom, so it's just wisdome.com.au. You can find yep. me, Nikki Kelly, on LinkedIn. And uh, we also have social media accounts, um, which you'll get details to and so forth. But one thing I do want to mention is whilst we also we have our launch coming up, we are also creating a wish, uh, sorry, a um, mailing list. So for anyone who may want to attend a summit that we're going to be running early next year. And it's just sort of a collaboration with a number of amazing experts, including yourself, Jules, Uh, (laughs) that, um, you know, all, all of these amazing experts are sort of going to help anyone who might be thinking of starting a business online, um, sharing their knowledge, their wisdom, their experiences, whatever. And it sort of takes you from creating your concept, your idea, and then planning it out, how you're going to deliver it, why you're going to deliver it a certain way, and where you're going to deliver it. And, yes, you know, wisdom is a great tool. You don't have to use us, but the summit is all based around, you know, how people can share their wisdom and and just get online and not be afraid to just take that step, get online and start a business because it's not as hard as a lot of people may make it out to be. It does have its ups and downs, but if you've got a passion for what you love and share and want to share it with the world, you'll do it. And the summit's there to help them. So, yeah, we'll be having information on that as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Nikki, and uh, I can't wait to see where Wisdom pops up next. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jules, on here. It's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.